Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. That is so great to see, isn't it? It is. They... They have on their made new shirts and they get to take those with them as a reminder that they have been baptized into the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is fantastic. They've been made new. If you've been reading along with us in our reading, and if you're visiting with us, we've been reading the Bible together since the first of the year, but tomorrow... Romans chapter 6. So when you read Romans chapter 6, and it tells you about baptism, and that in baptism you're buried with Christ and you're made new, and that you relate now to the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, remember what occurred here this morning, that here were people who were made new. What a great and glorious blessing that is. We've uh, not only started the book of Romans We're uh, in the Old Testament, been through all the books of the Pentateuch, the first five books. We've uh, read the book of Joshua and how he went into the promised land, started the book of Judges. And ah, it gets a little heavy again, doesn't it? You know, I understand you're reading Joshua and there were some, oh, Man, I got to read through this tribe, got all this land, and it keeps going. Then, oh, and then Zebulun, da 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 da, and Dan, da 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 da. Hey, it's a great thing. They're all getting their allotment of land. It's positive things. But then in Judges, ah, they forget about Moses and Joshua and all that they've learned. It's sad. It's sad that in Joshua 2, it somewhat closes, it repeats the close of the book of Joshua, Judges 2, I'm sorry. Judges 2, it repeats the close of the book of Joshua that the people served their, they served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and throughout the lifetime of the elders that were with Joshua. And they remembered all the great things that God had done in Israel. But after that whole generation passed away, it's sad to read, another generation grew up who didn't know the Lord. What happened? That should be something that just shocks us. And we should be reminded to continue to tell others about the blessings of Almighty God, to share the gospel, to see people baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ so that they too would share it with generations that come. These people in the book of Judges They didn't know their ancestors or their history. They didn't know what the Lord had done for Israel. And what occurred? They did evil, it says, in the eyes of the Lord. They began to serve man-made idols. It's hard to imagine you could carve something out of wood or stone and begin to worship it. But that's what they were doing. They began to serve man-made idols. They were called the Baals and the Ashtaroths. They were so-called gods of fertility, gods that would help them with their harvest, supposedly. But they were just dead wood. They They weren't gods at all. 
they began to worship these things. And Joshua chapter 2, verse 12 puts it very bluntly, very sobering. They aroused the Lord's anger. We would expect then consequences. If you've aroused the Lord's anger, so some consequences did occur. The Lord lifted his blessing from the people. God allowed them to be plundered by their enemies. And I want to pick up the narrative in Judges chapter 2, which we just read at the end of this past week. Judges 2 verses 15 to 19 about now what's happening here in Israel. It says, whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and he saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived for the Lord relented because of the groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. (sighs) That's hard to read. Hard to read what was happening. You see a cycle? Do you see a cycle developing? And it's a cycle of rebellion It's a cycle of war in reality. The people rebelled against God. And I want to repeat verse number 15 and just let it sink in. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. And that's an interesting line. It doesn't say the hands of the Philistines were were against them to, to defeat them. No, it says the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Yes, they fought natural battles. Yes, they fought natural enemies. They were defeated and they were plundered in the natural. But the reality of their situation was the hand of God was against them to defeat them. Their war was not against man. They were warring against God. They had rebelled against God. They had gone to war against God. And then when a judge was raised up, the people would relent, but just for a time. And you read in the first few chapters, it's this cycle that says, well, they got peace for seven years. But then they went into a time of war and uh, oppression for 20 years. And it seems these, these years of oppression just get longer and longer. There are times where they shortened up, but they got longer again because they were battling against God. They were disobedient. The people would forget about God. They'd rebel against God. They wouldn't follow his ways. They worshiped idols. The word there that we read is they prostituted themselves. They went chasing after other gods. God puts it in very stark terms in his word, very descriptive. They were 
even more corrupt than before. So you see an escalation here too. We read that in Judges 2. They were even more corrupt than those ways of their ancestors, following other gods and serving them. This was a cycle of chaos. And this chaos continued all the way through the book of Judges. For You're going to read more than one time as we go through the book of Judges in the next few days. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did what they saw fit. No leadership, no one that they looked up to, no human king, and they did not consider their Lord, their creator, their God as their king. Rebellious in a state of constant war with God. Yes, you read about these times of peace. They're short-lived peace. And it was not a lasting peace. It was not a peace that they achieved that was at all lengthy. But could a lasting peace with God ever be achieved? Was it possible? And the answer is yes. There could be peace achieved. Peace but it could only come by faith. It wasn't going to come through carving up a chunk of wood and saying, oh, this is what's going to bring the harvest. It was going to come by faith, abiding faith, lasting faith, faith like their fathers, faith like Abraham's. If they had that faith, they'd find peace with God. We read this in Romans chapter four. Read this on Thursday, Romans four, verse three. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Romans 4, the whole chapter, the whole theme of the chapter is faith. And the apostle Paul is working the point. He is working it. He is reiterating it over and over again. And the point there in that Romans 4 is you can only be right with God by faith. Nothing done in the natural. Nothing done in the natural will make you righteous before God. And what does Paul use? Who does he use as his model? He's going back to Abraham, which is the model that the people of the time of Judges had. Seriously, Joshua had just died. Here was, a, here was a man like Moses who had led these people, took them across on dry ground from a river that dried up, did other miracles, defeated enemies. They forgot about him. One generation. Who's Paul pointing back to here a couple thousand years later in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans, pointing back to Abraham. This is his model. He says, Abraham was circumcised. But what did that circumcision mean? What did that circumcision do for him? It was natural and it meant nothing in terms of being righteous and at peace with God. Abraham did good works, but it meant nothing in terms of being right with God, at peace with God. No righteousness. It's not going to earn you righteousness. Abraham had faith in God. And God saw that as righteousness. Righteousness was accounted to Abraham, it was credited to him because he had faith. And by this faith, God and Abraham, they were not at war. There was peace between them. 
There was peace between them because Abraham showed his faith toward God. Yet Abraham was given some requirements, wasn't he? He exercised his faith. God made a covenant with him. And it was a covenant of circumcision. This was a requirement that was put on Abraham and all his people. Later on with Moses, a man of faith who was at peace with God, he was given the requirement of the law and the sacrifices, which he handed over to Joshua. Joshua was a man of faith. Now they had these requirements. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, the requirements of the law, circumcision, sacrifice. And even with those things, that wasn't what made them righteous before God. It wasn't what really brought them peace with God. It was their faith. And that example of their faith, it points to something greater for us. It points to a greater peace, a peace with God, apart from any requirement of the law, apart from any rite of circumcision, apart from any sacrifice one could do. And that's pointed out to us in this fourth chapter of the book of Romans. Romans 4.16 tells us, therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of all. That's us. We can exercise the faith of Abraham. Paul's making this point over and over again, and he sums it up. He sums up this whole idea of faith of Abraham outside of any works. It can bring you peace, a great peace with God. And he says this at the close of Romans chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. That's why we're celebrating the resurrection today and next Sunday and next Sunday. Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of of the glory of God. Paul brings this, this theme of faith to a conclusion here. And he says something about faith and peace. Jesus came to this earth and he was delivered over to death for our sins. Then he rose from the dead. Paul uses the word justification. He said, Jesus Christ did that for our justification. Justification is a declaration of acquittal. It's a declaration of righteousness. I'm not righteous. I'm not righteous in my human frailty, my weaknesses. I'm righteous because of my faith in Jesus Christ, that God would see me that way is amazing and that he would see you that way because you believe that Jesus was the final sacrifice. Don't have to worry about sacrifices anymore. We believe that in our heart 
and turn from our sin. God says, you're righteous. You're justified to stand before me. And then Paul wrote the word, therefore, therefore, because of that, for that reason, for that reason, the reason that you have this faith and that you believe that Jesus died for you and that he was raised back to life, you're justified. You're declared righteous. And because of that faith, there is a result. There's a result that we have peace with God, no more war, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that peace not only calls this truce to a war that we were warring in rebellion against God, but it's a peace that's greater than the Old Testament patriarchs. It's a peace that says the old covenant rights like circumcision and sacrifice, they aren't on top of us anymore. And that's a great peace. We don't have to deal with that. That's a lot of peace. That's Unthinkable peace. More peace than Abraham? Wow. That's amazing. More peace than Joshua? More peace than Moses? That's lasting forever, forever eternal. Peace with God. And it only comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, many of us in this room, we've achieved that peace, right? If you call on Lord, uh, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you call on him as your Savior and you can say in your heart, yes, I believe that. And I've got peace with God, peace that I'll, I'll have eternal life and I don't have to worry about it and I'm not anxious about it. We can say we've got that peace. But is the chaos in our life taken care of? Or are we still wrestling with certain things? Are we still dealing with certain things? Worry, debt. Are we anxious for certain things? Do Do we have doubt and anxiety? We can. We can be dealing with those things even though we say, yes, Jesus is my Lord. Yes, I believe. Yes, I have that faith. I have eternal life. But then the bills come. You know, and it's just, I can't sleep at night. Now, if we have faith to believe, if we have faith to believe that we have eternal life, can we take a step of faith to believe that Jesus will be our provider? We can. That he'll be our protector? Have we settled things like tithing? Or is it difficult to let go out of the abundance that God has given us? Do we have the faith to just let go of a tenth like the word of God tells us and give proportionally and believe that God will bless us. If you have the faith to believe you have eternal life, you can let that go. You can, you can have faith to do that because God is your provider and he will bless you. He will. But you got to take that step of faith. You got to believe. You know, or is it other things? Is it d- dishonesty at, at work and business? Is it dishonesty in school, in the classroom? Is it selfishness? You know, are you dealing with sexual immorality, addictions, distractions? Something else that brings chaos in your life. If we have faith to believe that Jesus Christ died for us and he won us eternal life, do we have faith 
to cast aside those things of the world and say, we're not going to deal with it. No, I'm not going to lose my integrity at the workplace and do something that the boss tells me to do that's cheating. No, I won't cheat on my taxes. No, I'm not going to look at that test paper on the other desk. Are we going to do those things? We have the faith to believe God can give us wisdom and he can give us direction. If we have faith for eternal life, we can believe that. Now, maybe there's things in your life you wouldn't classify as chaos. They're annoyances. They're nuisances. There's decisions you need to make. There's inaction. There's complacency. Things you're not getting involved in because you're, mm, you won't take that step of faith. Does our faith in Jesus that wins us eternity, is there enough there to say, yes, God, I know you will guide me. Yes, I, I believe it. I want to give you an example. We've touched on Judges, the book of Romans, but we've just completed the book of Joshua. I want to give you an example. It should be pretty fresh with those of you who've been reading it, but I'll, I'll, I'll rehearse it and give some background an example of faith in Joshua's life. Joshua, remember, he, he was at peace with God. He wasn't warring with God. He was, he was yielding to what God would have him to do. He succeeded Moses. He was a man of faith. He was not at odds with God. He was at peace, and yet he had to live in that peace with God by exercising his faith. He had to live by faith. Just a reminder, Romans 1.17, Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous will live by faith. Joshua was living by faith. And what did that mean for Joshua? He was coming to the promised land. You remember, Moses never made it into the promised land. All the people, they had wandered around for 40 years because there were those who were disobedient. They had to, that generation had to die off and as they were going to make their way into the promised land, now Joshua succeeds Moses. Moses has passed on. They're approaching the promised land, but they can't get there. There is a river of separation. And that river was not a creek. It was not, it was not a brook. It was not something they, they could just put a few stepping stones on and walk across. The Jordan River which separated Joshua and all the people of Israel from the promised land, was at its flood stage. It was a fast-flowing river. Maybe it flows three, four, five miles an hour normally. It's flowing a lot faster. It's a lot higher. How is he going to get across this river? He's got to go across that river to get to Jericho. God's directing him over there. There's the promised land. You're going to take a city called Jericho but he's got this river, raging river in front of him. You got a raging river in front of you? You got anything in your life like that? Joshua's got to live by faith. In Joshua chapter three, we read it just a week and a half ago. As he needed to cross this river, Joshua received some instruction from God Almighty. God said, hey, Joshua, here's what I'd like you to do. Get the priests to go in front of you, get some priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of Almighty God would come down on the top of that. They called it the mercy seat. 
And they had followed it for 40 years. The people were not unfamiliar with this. The presence of God and a visual cloud would come down on that mercy seat. And whenever the cloud lifted, they knew they'd move. And whenever the cloud settled, they said, this is a place where we'd stop. They did it for 40 years. They knew. Okay, the Ark of the Covenant, this is where God's presence is. Now Moses, or Joshua, I want you to have some priests pick up that Ark and carry it to the edge of the river. And now when they reach the edge of the river, tell these priests, go stand in the river. And when they do, the water will stop flowing. It will stand up in a heap. Joshua receives these instructions. So he's going to do this. He responds by faith. He told the people, the Lord will do some amazing things among you. And let's read the rest of the narrative, Joshua 3, verses 14 to 17. God's going to do some amazing things. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away, a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerathin, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So their fearless leader, Joshua, responded with faith. He said to all the priests, go stand in the water and it will stop flowing. Priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, go stand in the water, it's going to stop flowing. Now when the priests reached the edge and they stepped in the water, did the water stop flowing? Not for them, it didn't. I don't think it did. Now I know that's what we just read, right? It says it stopped flowing. But it told us a detail there. When the priests stepped in the water, which was raging, this is a flood, this is a river at flood stage. It's moving fast. It's higher than it is all year long. They go step their toes in it. They step their feet in it. And we read that the water piled up in a heap. But we also read a little detail, the scripture which we shouldn't ignore. It was a great distance away. A great distance away, the water heaped up in a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. Where's Adam? Where's this town? Is it right there? Did God stop the water right there? Was it a visible, visible miracle for these people? They stepped in the water, stopped. No. Adam's upriver, a great distance away, according to the scripture. And if we do a little research, Adam was 20 to 30 miles away. Can you see 20 to 30 miles? Not on a good day. Maybe if you're on a mountaintop. Maybe you can, but the horizon's going to knock it out anyway. 20 to 30 miles away, upriver from Jericho. They're standing there at the, the raging water. They put their feet in. How long does it take for 20, 30 miles of water to go by? We think this is an instant miracle, which it was. 
But they couldn't see it, could they? You know, I want to ask you, if you were standing on I-75 at rush hour and you needed to cross I-75 and cars are just going by, they're just whizzing by, but you need to cross I-75 and there's 20, 30 miles up the road or down, however you want to think about it, but against traffic, 20, 30 miles, there's an accident that closes the entire expressway, the entire interstate. Are you going to be able to step right out in front of cars now? No. 20 or 30 miles of cars have got to go whizzing by you first, right? How long is that going to take? Now, you might step your little toe over the curb. Oh, Lord, I know you're going to stop the cars. But it takes some time for 20 or 30 miles worth of cars or water or whatever to pass by. These guys holding the ark, these priests, yeah, they step in the water. And I got to believe nothing happened. Nothing visible happened to them. Hey, uh, Joshua, what's the deal? We're in the water. What's going on? Keep going, guys. Keep going. Okay. Okay. I'm maybe a millimeter at a time, Joshua. Josh. I believe the water did slow down. I'm sure they, there was some imperceptible movement of the water, perhaps. The water begins to recede. How long does it take for a river 20, 30 miles to recede? I don't know, but it's going to take some time. That's my point. It's going to take some time. The miracle occurred. The miracle happened. The miracle was instantaneous. They just couldn't see it. They had to exercise faith and step out there in that river and keep on going. Okay, we're going to keep going. Oh, I think it moved. I think it slowed down. I'm go- we're going, right? And they had to keep on going. And they did keep going until that river dried up. Now picture it, 20, 30 miles away. The dam, the divine dam is there. As far as the eye could see. Now this is a great miracle. As far as the eye could see. No river. Because they can't see 30 miles upriver. Downriver, there's no more water flowing. Amazing. God was going to do some amazing things. They just couldn't see it immediately. God responded instantly. They just couldn't see it. Their faith is being tested. As they're taking a step out, their faith is being tested. But these are people that were at peace with God. They were living by faith. They were trusting him. They were obeying him. They were relying on him. Of course, there was some trepidation. I certainly would have praised God if I hadn't been born in the Levitical family to be a priest at the front of that line with the ark. Oh, I'm in the tribe of Dan in the back. Great, I'll take that. Because when our faith is tested like that, ah, Sometimes it's tough. Yes, I have peace with God. Yes, I have peace with God. Yes, do I have the faith to step in the river and keep inching forward, knowing God's doing a miracle somewhere out of sight? You know, sometimes God's doing a miracle in your life. You just can't see it. It's upriver. But you gotta have the faith to believe that he is working that miracle in your life. If you have faith to believe the miracle that God is gonna save you for eternal life, Do we have enough faith to believe he'll protect us and he'll guide us? Do we believe that he's doing a miracle upriver, out of sight, we can't see it? Do we believe that he can heal 
and that he can deliver. We come here and we get prayed for at this altar. Maybe we didn't see that instantaneous miracle. God might be doing something upriver. Can you trust him? Can you step out in that faith that he can heal you, that he can deliver you? Sometimes God's doing that. Do you have the faith to believe it? I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to believe that. If you have faith to believe you're at peace with God, he can relieve chaos in your life. He can calm anxiety. He can meet whatever your need is. He, he can work a miracle and do something amazing, and it can be instantaneous. It just may be a little imperceptible at the moment. You've got to put your feet in the water. You have got to step into the water. You've got to take that step of faith. Even though at first it might feel like nothing's happening. I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. God, are you doing something? Yes. Trust him. Believe him. He's won your soul to eternal life. Believe him that he'll carry you through. Keep moving as you step in. Press in by faith. He can bring a raging river of chaos in your life to a dry riverbed. And you can't, for as far as the eye can see, the left or to the right. When it says these people walked over on dry ground, it could have been 10 miles this way and 10 miles that way. They walked over, they could have walked over in two minutes because they weren't walking single file anymore. God dried up a river from 30 miles away. Oh man, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. He can bring that raging river of chaos. Believe it. Believe it. I want you to be encouraged by that. If you, were, if you had a prayer about some raging thing in your life this morning, believe that God is working that miracle. Maybe you just can't see it. And he's going to bring it through to fruition. We're going to close today. And I'm going to be talking with someone who's taken a step of faith. And we know it. We announced to you few months, two months, a little over two months ago, Reverend Terry Allen was going to be with us to Easter because he's taken a step of faith. He's taken a step of faith. He is going through an open door. When Brother Terry Allen, and if you're, if you're visiting and you don't know, Terry has been our worship pastor here he has been part of the staff for 25 years. And he came to me and we started talking. And he said, I've come to a decision. And you know what, what was great? It was a decision based on God's word. We've been reading the word of God since the beginning of the year. And here we were on January 10th and we were reading Genesis chapter 22. Terry said, I gotta talk to you. I gotta talk to you. We just read, I read this this morning. Genesis 22, and Genesis 22 is about Abraham's faith being tested with his son. And Terry said to me, God provided for him a ram in the thicket. God was his provider. He had to, he had to take this step of faith, didn't really even know for sure where he was going. Now Abraham's going up this mountain. Where was the sacrifice going to come from? God provided the sacrifice. So Terry and I had this great discussion about God is our provider. He, he would provide for him. But we didn't, we didn't say, okay, this is it. Let's go. We agreed to take a week and, and each of us take some time to pray, which we did. And we met again and we said Easter. We both were like Easter. So, okay, 
That felt right. Terry, Terry is here till Easter. And he has since, we've talked many times, he shared with me how as we have been reading through the word of God, Joshua chapter one, Joshua chapter one, we talked, be strong and courageous. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. That was a word we talked about. Uh, we just talked about another one at the close of the book of Joshua. At the close of the book of Joshua, all the Lord's promises. He said to Joshua, all the Lord's promises have come to pass. Terry's like, I'm believing the Lord's, all his promises, they'll come to pass. And he also talked to us, Terry talked to us about a song. He said, hey, there's been this song that has been, uh, it's been working in me. I used to sing it years ago with a little group that I was in. And it was called Beyond the Open Door. And Terry shared some of the lines from it. Beyond the open door, there is a new and fresh anointing. Hear the Spirit calling you to go. Walk on through the door, for the Lord will go before you into a greater power you've never known before. And he's just like, Pat, I'm, this is, the Lord is carrying me through an open door. I'm not exactly sure where it is, but he's carrying me through. So we're going to pray for Terry today. He was here last, uh, he was here yeah, last week for our Easter celebration. And we want to bless him through that open door today. We want to bless him and his wife, Rhea, and his son, Jackson, and his daughter, Kira, as a family. He has been, he's known this church over 40 years. He's worked here on staff 25 years. So we're going to bless him. And he's going to come to the platform for that. But before you do, don't get up. Stay there, Terry, because we have something for you. This right now is for you. All of these have had one way, shape, or form worked with uh, Brother Terry throughout his uh, ministry here at Bethesda. So all took part here in encouraging and blessing. And Brother Terry, beyond the open door, there is a new and fresh anointing. And uh, we... We love you. We love you. We wanted to just express that. And I don't, I don't know. T Terry's the one Alan that usually doesn't get this way, but we, we got him this way. And uh, <laughs> you wanna, do you want to say anything? If, if you can. Okay. All right. We want you to. Well, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Good. Wow. <laughs> Wow. I'm truly humbled. I'm truly humbled. This church has been my whole life and will continue to be. Not just because maybe I'm in attendance, but because of what has been imparted to me through this church for the rest of my life. And I can't say thank you enough for your love, your support. I don't know, and I know many of you have been asking, not just me, but others, you've been like, okay, what's yeah, really yeah, going exactly. on here? What's the story? Come on. I believe, and I'll use this, the waters have been dammed 20 to 35 Amen, miles brother. up the stream for some reason, and all the water has not receded yet. But I know that he said what he said, and he said it was time. And 
I'm leaving on good terms. Amen. And I'm leaving with a glad and joyful heart because of what the Lord is doing. I'm leaving with a tearful heart because I know what it means in the separation from my family. You're my family. This is my family. Oh, man. And so I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you for, for this. I, I didn't want this, but I respect it, and I thank you, and I honor you. You're welcome. God bless you. Thank you. Let's pray. <laughs> well, we're not going to pray just yet. We have one more, <clears throat> one more little thing before we pray. And uh, here it comes. So now, uh, Terry, we know that there was a Martin guitar here that you really liked. But you know what? We, we thought maybe something that was in new condition, you know, something that was, uh, you know, brand new uh, that you, I think, would be blessed with. So we got your new Martin guitar here to, to uh, carry on your way. All right. Uh, I think it's. You're welcome. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So here, well, I, I don't want to wreck it. You know me. I'm, I'm the accident waiting to happen. I've broken more things than I can care to tell you. But we just hope that this is something that blesses you and you'll, uh, you know, because we knew Terry took up the, uh, he played the bass and you could blow a horn, right? But you took up the, the guitar fairly recently. So we want to keep him going in that ministry. So. Some to, some to, you know, remember us by. So now we'll pray. Now we're going to pray. So, yeah, it's fine. I won't yes. knock it down. It's, I won't knock it down. It's okay. <laughs> come on. Come on. And Rhea and Jackson and Kira, we want to lay hands on, on, on you and pray for you and bless you and pray with us. So all of you just... Pray a great prayer blessing. Extend your hands this way to Terry and his family as we just pray over him. Father God, Father God, we do believe beyond the open door there is a new and fresh anointing for Brother Terry Allen, for Rhea, for Kira, for Jackson, for the entire family, God. And we're asking you to bestow that blessing upon him, God, as we pray, that you would continue to keep Terry and Lord be that rock that is beneath his feet. Be the strong tower that carries him and lifts him. God, be the blessing in his life that he's come to know and believe in, God. And in the future days, we pray for clarity. We pray for discernment. We pray for your wisdom and your hand of blessing to be upon him. We look forward to what you're going to do, God, because we know that when our faith is in you and we take that step of faith, that you can do something beyond what we ask or think. You can do, as your word we read today, said amazing things. We are praying, God, for an amazing blessing to be upon Terry and to be upon Rhea, Kira, and Jackson, to be upon their family. God, do a great thing. We trust you as we commit them to you. We trust you as we commit them to your future, God. It's not his future. He's not pushing, God. He's not forcing. He is waiting patiently on you, Lord. Receive the water, God. Show him the dry land that he can walk over, my God. Take him across to Gil Gal and to Jericho and the promised land that you have for him in front of him, God. Though he can't see it and doesn't know it, Lord, dry up that river that Terry can walk 
past, Lord, on dry ground and come to say, you've done amazing things for me and I trust you and I love you and I praise you. Continue that praise in him, Lord. Continue that praise in him. Work it in him, Lord. Work it in him, Lord, and continue to guide him and direct him by the power of your Holy Spirit and your word, Lord. Thank you that the word has been leading him since January. Continue to immerse him in it, Lord. Continue to wash him in it. Continue to guide and direct him in it, Lord, and his family. We love him, Lord, as you do. Lord, but you even more. So shower him with your love. Shower him with your blessing, your protection, your guidance, and your mercy, and your care. And we'll commit it to you, God, and we'll look forward to what you're going to do. We do it all in that great and powerful and blessed name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.